When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You had better. Wake him up, get him up, get him going. It's uh, Wednesday on Hook Him Up with Ian Rodby. The hard freeze, Arctic air continues. Still under a hard freeze warning throughout the uh, listening area. Travis County, Bastrop, Blanco, Burnett, Caldwell, all over. It is dang cold outside, and uh, today we'll we'll see the end of the Arctic air. We'll climb above uh, freezing at some point this afternoon, and won't hit the uh, freezing temperatures again for a little while, so that's a good thing. We're making it through. Looks like uh, school's mostly going back to back to school today across the uh, landscape as well, so that's a good thing. Getting a little bit back to normal uh, coming off the first real Arctic air, an Arctic air mass and winter storm warning of uh, 2024. We've survived it, it appears. Hopefully you have uh, as well as we get this thing cranked up on a Wednesday. Our five-hour day-by-day conversation begins right now here on Hook 'Em Up. we got a lot to dive into. Two more transport portal additions for the Texas Longhorns. They stay busy. Both came down yesterday. Yesterday afternoon, one on offense, one on defense. We'll dive in there, get Rod's thoughts there. Also, NFL coaching news, Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, Jerry Jones, what the latest is for the teams not participating in divisional playoff weekend. We'll also look forward to those games this weekend. A couple of doubleheaders Saturday and Sunday, including the Houston Texans with their showdown with the Baltimore Ravens. The other three games to uh, decide who goes to get two championships Sunday in the National Football League. So plenty to do there. Big matchup in the NBA. Last two league NBAs went, uh, NBA MVPs went head-to-head last night. It was a good one in Philadelphia. Got college hoops aplenty. Uh, a lot to do as we get this thing rolling on a Wednesday morning, 17 January. Appreciate you being there. However you're finding us, could be on 101.9 FM, maybe AM 1260. Streaming always for you digitally on that Horn app, which is so darn easy to use. Just download it to your smartphone, touch of a button. You've got this show and all the shows here on the Horn right there at your hand, in your hand, in your pocket. Also uh, at hornfm.com, you can find us there as well. We appreciate you doing so on this very cold morning, about 17 degrees, and he's braved the elements, rolled in here to the South Austin Onion Creek Compine. He is our shutdown corner out of the seven. 713 and DB High down in Houston, Texas. Of course, uh, a lifetime Longhorn from the 512 and DBU here in Central Texas. Uh, he is also the football theorist. He is Black Stradamus. He is uh, the proud papa of Baby Monroe wearing his uh, layers of, uh, of clothing this morning. Hello, Rod Babers. Uh, hey, thank you for the intro, brother. I appreciate that, as always, and the hospitality. Uh, yeah, man, it's a little chilly out there. but uh, Bone-chilling cold. Yeah, no precipitation, so it's just cold. And the uh, wind just, seems to be down a little bit. Yeah, so just layer up. You see, you get used to it. You get used to it pretty quickly, uh, as long as you don't have the like treacherous conditions and have to worry about all that, uh, which you don't right now, but uh, you you're right. We'll be back up to close to 70 degrees tomorrow. So uh, that's Texas in a nutshell. Yeah, we'll take it. That's how we like our winners anyway. Uh, short, quick. <laughs> yeah, we live in places like Buffalo. It's just like long, this all the time. Oh, man. Snows. Yeah. The, 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 summers, this. the summers are short and quick. Well, up in Buffalo, up in Detroit back in the day. Uh, but, yeah, man, uh, excited about talking about the NBA, the NFL playoffs. Also excited about talking about what's happening on the Fort Acres, man. It's just it's crazy that the – 
but you're right. It's just a new schedule of college football where there is no off season, so there really is no downtime. It's if you're following it, if you're following recruiting, transfer portal, and you know, kind of all the off season headlines, the coaching carousel. If you're just throwing all that in the mix. Because, uh, hell, spring football is going to start up here. <laughs> when everything settles down, like, oh, I saw my spring football. Yeah, so, they already announced the uh, April 20th will be the spring game. So we yeah, know that, right? We, we know that already. Gonna, you can kind of project the calendar back from that. So they'll have practices what, starting up before, right, like March, a month before right, that. March, yeah. It's just, yeah, man, it's crazy how the calendar works out. But either way, maybe that's when your team is really good. <laughs> when your team is really good, you care that much more, and the Longhorns are really good, and they are they're cooking. They are cooking. But we'll talk about that. We'll break all that down. We'll go behind the burnt orange curtain. Uh, Raj Rance. We'll get into uh, playoff previews, previewing, uh, of course, the Texans. We'll start there close to home. Uh, then we'll get into some of the other bigger bigger playoff matchups. Before we get started, like we do every morning, uh, shout-out to those who serve. Our society built on the selflessness of service. So all those out there who are up early with us, uh, and they are braving the cold as well, but they brave all the elements uh, to do their best for us. We appreciate it, whether it be God, country, or community that you serve. Uh, just want you to know that we appreciate you as an honor, but also a burden. So the soldiers, first responders, teachers, nurses, uh, can't name all the professions, can't name all the people, but just want you to know we appreciate you. Shout out. Shout out. Uh, absolutely. Especially, folks, in this uh, these temperatures, it is cold outside. Obviously, it's it 17, cold, 16 man. degrees, colder <laughs> in some areas than even that. So, uh, braving the element. Appreciate you every single single morning. Before we get to our headlines and top stories, it's not an official thing yet, Rob, but it doesn't appear that uh, your former coach, Dwayne Aquino, may, is going to come to Texas yeah. now. It's not official yet, nice. but, um, you know, I mean, there were reports this week or over the weekend that uh, Dwayne Aquino was likely mm-hmm. to join Steve Sarkeesian in some role. But uh, as you just said, the ever-evolving coaching carousel mm-hmm. and the changing face of college football, it did appear that Dwayne Aquino, at 67 years old, was trending towards uh, joining to come back to Austin. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, since those conversations began – you know, Arizona's head coach, Jed Fish, left to replace Kalen DeBoer at Washington because uh, Kalen DeBoer left to go to Alabama to replace Nick Saban, who retired. Uh, oh, no. so, Keep up with it. It's <laughs> and so Arizona has pivoted and hired the head coach who was at San Jose State. It's spinning. And now it appears that Dwayne Aquino may have a chance to land a job on that, that new coach's at Arizona's staff, like an on-field coaching role. Come on which is what uh, Dwayne Aquino would prefer than being an analyst, which he was last year. And Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have a role for him as an on-field coach. You can only have so many of you those. Only have, you only have ten. Yeah. You can add uh, – I think your support staff, you can throw in a lot of that. And those are your analysts yeah. and all that. But they, they, they're, they are very, very rigid um, and strict about what they can participate in. And they can't do on-field coaching, and you cannot recruit. You essentially are a film rat. For most of the time, you you can you you hang out with the team, but you're not necessarily on field coaching or recruiting and yeah, practice and stuff like practice, like Gary yeah. Patterson was big for the Longhorns during the winter workouts, right? He yeah. was at the strength, he was in the weight room, yeah. and it's a lot of self scouting you can help them yeah, do, a yeah, lot of yeah. advanced scouting you can help them do, and that's great. But yeah, if you want to have a connection with the young men in terms of on field coaching or recruiting those guys and Techniques. then coaching them. Yeah, that's not – you know, you can basically offer advice to coaches about what they can do, but you can't be doing it. Which, again, we'll keep and you posted on that. I think for Coach that. Aquino, that might have been – Yeah, well, I mean, know, and that makes sense. If he's if he, choosing between the two. Yeah, if he has his choice of one or the other, he's yeah. already in Arizona where he spent yeah. last year as an analyst. And if he wanted to downsize his responsibilities and maybe he wanted a reduced role, some coaches do. They're like, no, 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 I don't want to be recruiting. I don't need to be on the road. I'm, I'm hanging out with, you know, wifey. We, we got some vacation plans. We don't want to be on the road. I, I want to be in the film room for four or five hours a day. Then I can go home and hang out with the family. Some coaches want that. 
Um, you know, some coaches want the tangible on-field yes. coaching, which you know it appears good for Dwayne Keene if that's yeah. the case, and he has well, an opportunity uh, one more time, whether with the new staff to to coach out there at Arizona, mm-hmm. which of course they're they're joining the Big Twelve. Uh, this coming season in 2024, all the speaking of all the changes. Of I was like, keep it up with the coaches. Don't forget about that. Don't, don't, forget, don't forget about, about the realignment. Pro, yeah, there will be a, yeah. a test at the end oh, of the show <laughs> of where you know which conference each each Seriously, program will man. land in here in 2024. So yeah, 20 this this stretch the next six months is going to be wild. I do think there's a lot of uh, now that you know. TV deals are settled. The SEC is going into the ESPN, and uh, Fox takes over the new look Big Twelve. I mean, the uh, Big Ten. Uh, all those conversations will be had in the next six months about uh, what what direction, where are we going, what are we doing? Uh, now, will they settle anything? Settle all of them? No, no but uh, they're going to be had. Don't meet about it. The twelve team playoff is coming. The new conference realignment settles in, and. Uh, all the changes we've talked about are going to you know, take take effect in early July. So we'll get to all of it. We have uh, time to talk, but it happens by the day. That means we, we start the show as we do each with the headlines, trending topics, including two more Longhorn uh, Portal editions. Let's get to it. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. And, yeah, uh, Longhorn's added two more players to the transfer portal yesterday afternoon. Uh, following his visit over the weekend, former Oregon State wide receiver Silas Bolden committed to Texas. The 5'8", 160-pound speedster is fresh off a breakout junior season in Corvallis. Got 54 passes, over 700 yards, and five touchdowns. He is the third wide receiver added through the portal by the Longhorns. Uh, this cycle, he joins Isaiah Bond from Alabama and Houston transfer Matthew Golden. Like Bolden, Golden projects as a return man as well. Get up on the special teams. Speaking of special teams, the Texas special teams unit and defense bolstered yesterday as well when former Alabama linebacker Kendrick Blackshear committed to the Horns. Uh, the senior to be, originally from Duncanville, Texas, was a critical piece to Alabama special teams units during his time there in three years. He also saw time as a reserve middle linebacker in Tuscaloosa. He joins Trey Moore and Andrew Makuba as transfer portal additions for Pete Kwiatkowski on the defensive side. In Columbus yesterday, Ohio State officially hired Ross Bjork to be the school's new athletic director. Uh, the 51-year-old has been the AD at Texas A&M since 2019. He will begin his new position in Columbus on July 1st. He'll succeed the uh, retiring Gene Smith, who has held that role at Ohio State since 2005. Plenty of coaching developments in the NFL. Yesterday, Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh informed his team that he will be back to coach the Steelers next season. Called media reports that he was considering stepping inside unfounded and untrue. Also yesterday, the Atlanta Falcons completed an interview with Michigan's Jim Harbaugh for their vacant head coaching role. And according to the Dallas Morning News, uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones will meet with head coach Mike McCarthy later this week to discuss the future following the team's latest January letdown. In college basketball, on her birthday last night, Aaliyah Moore scored 17 points. Freshman Madison Booker added 15. 11th-ranked Texas rolls past Kansas, 91-56 at Moody Center. Uh, the Texas men will hit that same floor tonight, looking to bounce back from their weekend loss at West Virginia. They will host Central Florida. Both teams enter with one and two records in Big 12 play. That game tips at 7 o'clock tonight. Big 12 hoops last night. Kansas State rallied the top ninth-ranked Baylor in Manhattan. That game in overtime, 68-64. Both teams now 3-1 and one in Big 12 play. The only undefeated team in Big 12 right now, Texas Tech at 3-0. and oh. Cincinnati top TCU 81-77. Kansas rolled past Oak State 90-66. And BYU cruised past Iowa State 87-72. Good one in the NBA last night in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid poured in 41 points. Ditch out 10 assists to lead the 76ers past Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets. 126-121. That was the battle of the last two NBA MVPs. And it was a good one. Horror headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. I get the feeling that Mike McCarthy is going to stick around. I'm getting that feeling. Yeah. I, mean, I get the feeling that Mike McCarthy is going to stick around. I just, 
it's man, this the shakeup. You can obviously you can justify it, and I'm not opposed to it at all. Um, but I, I think Jerry's hesitant because of the breakout campaign by Dak had the second being the second team All Pro. Like didn't play well in the playoffs when it mattered most. Um, but what is your plan to keep the big Dak energy going? <laughs> Once Mike McCarthy is relieved of his duty, what do you do? Are you bringing in a hot shot um, quarterback guru or a hot shot OC to replace him? Because that is the big concern. Because well, if Dak go, if Dak regresses, oh man, it all is lost. Because then you then you have to rebuild if Dak starts regressing. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. But Dak's the, not regressing. But the well, problem with Mike McCarthy is he, you have to meet with him, and you have, and he's only he's going into the last year of his deal. And Jerry did this with Jason Garrett before, but it's not recommendable to, you know, make a coach a lame duck coach. Lame duck him. And, 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 you know, let him go into the final year of his deal without any security beyond that. Hey, you talking about Mike Tomlin? And Mike Tomlin. Well, <laughs> we'll see if Pittsburgh re-ups him. That's, what I'm saying, that's that the question. That, that's right now. That's why that's a hot topic. Yeah, it is a hot so topic. Are the Pittsburgh Steelers going to lame duck him? Yeah. Lame duck him, the great Mike Tomlin. Because yeah, Mike Tomlin said he told his team yesterday he wants to come back. Well, look, I mean, to your, to your point, I, I, we've talked about it a lot since the loss on Sunday. I mean, it's a fireable offense for sure for Mike McCarthy, how bad they were uh, to get run off the field by the youngest team in the playoffs. At home. And at home. Uh, just get that, that. At not home. good in any phase, <laughs> not ready to play, out-game planned, out-schemed, out, out-played, everything. With the talent advantage, more, yeah. more, more all-pros. Yeah, nine all-pros versus a young team that's, what, no all-pros. Uh, emerging team. Uh, so, yeah, that's viable, uh, but is it the advisable? I mean, what, what is your course of action now? There is a report, and this isn't surprising, but ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported on, on ESPN that Bill Belichick is scouting, is looking for talented but underachieving teams that may be looking for his services. Well, that might describe the Cowboys. I talented mean, but underachieving. That is the Cowboys in a nutshell. I mean, because look, and, and, you know, the argument for Bill Belichick in Dallas, and I don't know if there's a fit there, is that he's. He's only got a few years, right? It's only a couple of years. Yeah, his window is where the Cowboys' window is. Yeah, it's like nah, man. Kind of lines up with the Cowboys. The yeah, next couple of years are couple you know, of years is it? Or you're blowing the thing up. Yep. Uh, we're probably a couple of years to be. You got to blow the whole thing up, start over. And he would be able to help take over the defense because the defense is multiple, and he's a obviously multiple guy defensively. I don't think that would be scheme wise. I don't need. I don't know if you would have to make drastic changes defensively. You can use the construct and the build of Dan Quinn. And Belichick can take it over. And Belichick's defenses have not fallen off. Uh, it, it, his defenses are still pretty damn good. It's his his coaching selections, uh, his general delegation. Manager. Yes, general manager Belichick has gotten in the way of head coach Belichick and vice versa. Uh, these are a lot of other things, and obviously the quarterback position. But he gets a team with a quarterback, and then he gets a GM that will help him. And that's the thing. He's got a GM that's going to help him pick the offensive coordinator. With the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you that, want, that I don't well, look, trust. I mean, if, if you were going Belichick, uh, you would trust, trust him on the defense. You would also, I mean, but, you know, just to, to have the conversation, you could see if, you know, Brian Schottenheimer would stay on as offensive coordinator who helped Mike McCarthy and Dak insert this offense, and at That's, least he would have knowledge of it. He it would have be, knowledge of it. be familiar with Dak. Yeah, at least but he's, a, he's not Mike McCarthy. That's, you know, he's having an insult to Mike McCarthy sure a little is. bit. Sure it is. <laughs> but you're, if you're trying to keep Dak, yes, Dak in, the, in the same offense yes. and, and in the same HUD space where he you know, had a second-team all-pro season and, you know, threw, led the league in touchdown passes, only nine picks, but obviously – January Dak showed up on Sunday, where it was you know, two first half picks. <laughs> no, and yeah, you had you had, you had little, small Dak energy. Small Dak energy. You don't want small Dak energy. Shrinkage. You want big Dak. Yes. The Signif- January shrinkage. Significant shrinkage. It's cold out there. It is cold. It's cold out there now. Yeah. So, <laughs> like as we've talked about since Sunday, there's no easy answer. I mean, because because Jerry, you really can't sell stay the course because that's not working. 
you also really are probably – you can't blow it up. I mean, that's you're, you're close to that. You're a couple years out. That would be um, irresponsible just to blow it up now. You've also got Dan Quinn likely – or at least interviewing for the Seattle job. He's, he's probably out no matter what. So, And then I read that Belichick's looking for underachieving, talented teams. Well, that's Dallas. It also describes Atlanta potentially. Uh, the Falcons are a team that he's interviewed with. So, mm-hmm. But the Falcons have interviewed like seven coaches now. They interviewed everybody. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. I mean, we went from Belichick to, what, by, to Harbaugh. By the way, I agree with that strategy. I'm all for, I always say when you have a vacancy, interview everybody because what people do in these meetings, they share information. They're trying to get the job, so they're going to give you ideas. And even if you don't hire them because of their great ideas, you can steal their ideas. Or you can use their ideas against them later because you'll know how they're built. If they end up in the NFL coaching against you, uh, you'll know how they build and construct their team. You'll know a lot about their philosophy. That is stuff that, you know, you can log in so you can help you against your adversary, against your opponent. I would interview everybody. Everybody, I'd make it. Harbaugh, tell me about this sign stealing scheme. Well, just tell me about everything. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about how you build a football tell team. Tell me about Connor Stallion. Yeah, tell me about your philosophy, your strategy. I'm sure. writing that down. I'm basically I'm in there. I'm writing down all types of stuff. I'm, you know, I'm in the I, clinic. Yeah, you're basically. looking for information. You're, yeah. you're gold. You're mining. Come on, man. I like it. If you're and you're, if you're paying attention, I'd also say I was thinking about this after uh, the report. Or, or the, not the report. The, the Atlanta Falcons confirmed that they had an interview with Bill Belichick. When was the last time Bill Belichick interviewed? How about that? that that's got to be a little bit awkward for a guy a seventy-one point. years old. Yeah, I didn't think about that. He's right. I think that guy. He's used to being in control. He's used to interviewing people. He's not used to being interviewed. Maybe right? that's how it went. Yeah, I don't Maybe. know. <laughs> Belichick was in control in that thing. Well, you know, guys like Mike McDonald come in, and he's the defensive coordinator of Baltimore. He interviewed. And look, a lot of this can be done on Zoom. So when I say come in, yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of it's done virtually. Still. You know, but but young coaches have a plan, right? They've got. They want to sell their vision. They want to. Yeah, come in. Belichick's kind of like. Hey man, you know my resume. I bring my rings. I just see, see all these rings. Just <laughs> bring your rings with you. Be like, hit, hit the, you have your resume with you, sir. Yeah, I got them. Have you seen any right Super Bowl there. in the last 15, 20 years? Yeah. yeah seriously. Hey, what was it? The uh, <laughs> there was a, who was the coach? It was the coach that took over at Indiana, who at the, his introductory press conference. I was asked about, you know, how do you sell yourself? And he says, Google me. I win. <laughs> i got to find that audio. It's great. Google me. I win. Google me. That's I me. like that. That's it. That could have been Bill Belichick's That's pretty good. Uh, interview. Google yeah, me. Yeah, Google me. Yeah. I don't know if I'd ever been that good at anything. to would be like, Google me. You know how that goes. Right. No. Google me. There you go. It's yeah. pretty badass. No, but again, that's that's where we're at. Right? Bill Belichick's interviewing for jobs. I mean, uh, it's a wild world, wild world we're in. Has anybody tried to interview Pete Carroll? So we just said nobody's gonna give Pete Carroll that same yeah, love, well, even though Pete that's, Carroll. That's funny because but he's old. He's 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 what went five four. How is he? He's older than Belichick by a year. That's it. Yeah, seventy two. Yeah, I thought he was uh, Belichick seventy one. I thought he's a little bit more. Yeah, Saban, Saban and Carroll are both seventy two. That's yeah. That's crazy that Pete Carroll doesn't get more love than Belichick. I guess Belichick. He's going on one interview, but I I assume Belichick would get more uh, attention. But I thought Pete Carroll would at least get a sniff. And maybe he will, but. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, 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 things happen quick around here. Uh, this says Belichick and Jones are a better fit than we think. Both are in win-now mode. I think the biggest question would be who would be his OC. Yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. That's what I was talking about. I, that's a big question, though. That's a huge question because, like I said, if Dak, if Dak is derailed, <laughs> all right, and he is not playing at an elite level, man, that's – you ain't getting the best out of Dak, then that's trouble. Like your, your team is definitely going to well, underachieve. That's, that's your mean, guaranteed that you're underachieved if, if he's not playing well. Yeah, Even if it, like you said, he played his best season ever and still in January you didn't get the best out of him. Yeah, and that's the, of all the, I mean, everything about Sunday was frustrating and ag- aggravating and just throw your television out the window if you're a Cowboys fan. But Dak's, 
January shrinkage is is a huge problem. I mean, you, to, to be as good as he was, and for the fourth consecutive playoff loss that they've had to have a poor first half where you were trailing at halftime through at least one interception. I mean, Dak's almost in come January not giving your team a chance to win. He's just coming out and not playing good football. Is that mental? Is that in his head? Is that going up against better defenses? Because we saw that during the year when he played better defense. He wasn't the same. A lot of those you know, big numbers came against the, the lesser teams they played. Uh, so these are, these are – and these aren't easy answers, Rod. There's not an easy answer to Dak because he's owed so much money, and he's your quarterback. I mean, <laughs> and you haven't drafted other quarterbacks who are ready to take his place. Uh, somebody says here, trade Dak and get some big, big Penix uh, energy. Well, <laughs> no one's trading for Dak. That's the problem, right? He's because of contract. It's a financial yeah, problem. Yeah. You know, you know the, 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 the reason, because when you hear them talk about a, an extension for Dak, an extension to his contract, it's because his cap hit this coming year is $55 million. I mean, they have to bring that down. They can't go into this offseason with you know, the quarterback taking that much of their salary cap. It's got to be spread out, and they've got to bring that number down. That's why they're talking extension, and he is coming off a second-team all-pro year, so but we all saw him Sunday yeah. throwing the ball to the other team. I, I agree. No, I just mean I'm, you know, I'm not a Dak hater at all, but I will admit that numbers don't lie, and uh, the the eyes don't lie in January in postseason play. You know, yeah, you get small Dak energy, and you go from and this season, like I said, you at your you at the best Dak uh, season so far, and yet you get one of his worst playoff starts. Now I know he had the stats overall, uh, but the start to that game, you know, by the time Dak started playing, well, the game was over. Game was, already, nothing. game was already out of hand by the time Dak started finding any rhythm at all. Um, that's on the coaching, but that's also that's on Dak. I mean, Dak's got to realize that too. So I don't know where the Cowboys go yeah, from I here. I mean, it was twenty-seven to nothing before they scored a point, and that was right before the yeah. half. And fourteen of those twenty-seven came directly from Dak interceptions. One was a pick six. One was at the twenty-yard line, going in the other way. Yeah, they, was it the whip route that they threw? Yeah, it was uh, Jair, Jair yeah, Alexander, and then the. That was uh, the a great. That was a great defensive play. Though, it was. Too. It that was, was a, a elite defensive play. I don't know if that guy was open though. So I don't know why you threw it because he wasn't open. Yeah, it was Brandon Cooks, and they were running <laughs> the double slants. So yeah, Alexander it wasn't came. a great route, and it wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't open. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and did Brandon Cooks fight to keep, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, but it was a great play by Alexander, who was questionable even playing the game because he hurt his ankle the, during the week of practice, and he made a big play. But both of those picks led to touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, Dak was a big part of the you know, 28-0 hole you dug. And then, you know, you're not going to come back and play off games down 28 nothing. Uh, so, yes, it was, a, it was a mess. And so we'll see. Apparently, according to the Dallas Morning News, there's going to be a meeting uh, this week, like uh, later in the week. Now, this came out last night, so Tuesday. So I'm assuming today or tomorrow, uh, Jerry is going to sit down with – and it's probably a smart move for Jerry to calm down, you know, settle Processed down a little it. bit. Talk, yeah. You know, you don't want him to make emotional decisions. And he was, you know, as he said, floored and speechless after the loss, like a lot of Cowboy fans were. But they're going to sit down and uh, discuss it. And according to SI.com, CowboysSI.com, I think it was Mike Fisher who reported that the, inter- the, the conversation will be more like a job interview. Like, I mean, uh, Jerry's going to want to hear what went wrong. What went wrong. Break it down for Break me. Break it down. I mean, you watched it. Sid, tell me, because I'm trying to figure out why we were ill-prepared, why we got out-coached, why there were very 
few adjustments <laughs> or effective adjustments while, you know, we were dealing with the landslide of momentum against us at home. And why was the team not motivated? Why were they not focused? Right, I mean, right. I, were you overlooking Green Bay? Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah, exactly. That could, I mean, you, you were. Played the whole year to get to this point. Yes. <laughs> Everything's about now. Everything was about and now. it did look like you were not uh, ready to play. No. And you and got out coached, so you tell me what happened. Oh, man. I, I mean, you got, you got Matt LaFleur take, you know, winning the toss, taking the ball, and ramming it down your throat. I mean, that, was, yeah. uh, that wasn't a message sent. That was a young coach with a young team showing, I believe in you guys. We're taking the ball, and we're going at this team. And, uh, you know, those are all conversations. Now, you know, if it's a job interview and you're Mike McCarthy, you're asking, okay, well, what do we do with my linebacker? You know, we're, we're short linebacker. That's one of the reasons we're playing six DBs the whole game is where, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch got hurt. DeMarvion Overshone got hurt this year. We didn't have any linebackers. Yep. You know, what are you doing as the general manager to help us in that regard? You know, there are, there are you know, you know, organizational peace conversations to be had. But at the same time, you know, Mike McCarthy yeah. can sell. You know, I, I brought the best out of Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, I can't you know, control that he plays terrible in January. We may have a problem there with the little Dak energy come January. Same time, he did finish second team all pro. You know, all the, the stats are there, you know, nine all pro players. Uh, he did, Mike McCarthy did a lot of good over the last three well, that's, seasons. Well, you got to throw all that out. That's what the general manager says. I gave you nine all pros, man. Yeah. You complain about linebacker play? I gave you nine all pros. <laughs> I guess the youngest uh, yes, the youngest team in the in the playoffs. And you you hello, you complain about line linebackers while you lost that game? You really? Yeah, there's a strategy. You can make adjustments as a defense. Yeah, so you can. Uh so I, I I'm with you. I I don't know if there is a sufficient excuse that Mike McCarthy can get for losing that game. No, you can't. Um, and Dan Quinn. Because, and Dan because Quinn. once you're down twenty seven, yeah. I mean you got you know you gotta stop the run at that point. You know they're going to try to run the ball. I mean, they're not going to get pass happy up 30 points. Um, but, and you couldn't stop it. And you had no – and, and it, you, if you're watching the ball game or, or at the game, the safeties are still way back, like playing the pass. Like, what are you all doing? You know they're going to run the ball. Yeah. Run some run blitzes. You know, shoot the gaps. Do they, something. I think they were fearful of Jordan Love. I know. Making those big plays downfield. Yeah, it was it was embarrassing performance without a doubt. And we're still talking about it on a Wednesday. And now Jerry and uh, Mike McCarthy expected to meet this week. And we'll see where that goes. We're also following – Jim Harbaugh's situation, Bill Belichick, um, Mike Tomlin telling his team he'll be back. So that uh, takes that conversation, you know, off the front page. Uh, they'll now work on a, likely a new contract with the Roonies. But we'll see where that goes from the Steelers organization as well. So lot to do. As we get up over the humps, we can start looking forward to divisional playoff weekend, which is my favorite. I think it's the best weekend of the year. Two days, four games. All should be really, really good, starting with the uh, Texans and Ravens on, Sunday, on Saturday afternoon, Packers-Niners on Saturday night. And then, of course, on Sunday, two really good games, Rod, uh, with the Lions hosting the uh, Baker Mayfield mm -hmm. and the Bucks, and then uh, the night game. What a game! Chiefs and Bills from Buffalo. It's going to be Mahomes good. Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yeah. So uh, we get it all coming this weekend. Mm -hmm. We'll also dive into some college hoops. We'll dive into behind the burn orange curtain. Rod will give you his thoughts on this Dwayne Aquina situation. Also, the twoest new Longhorns, Silas Bolden, Kendrick Blackshear. From, uh, committing yesterday to Texas. What do they bring to the table? In addition to offense and defense, Rod, those two guys that really help on special teams. We'll talk about that coming up. Plus some what the facts for the end what of our first facts. hour. It's our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation. We're just getting warmed up on a bitterly cold Wednesday morning. Appreciate you being with us. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn.
We roll forward. It is a uh, hook 'em up Wednesday. Ian Rod B. Uh, trying to solve the Cowboys' problems. We've been doing that for three decades now. It's not going well. Yeah, I think you might have nailed it twenty some years ago. Straight up. Here it is. This is what we're getting now. <laughs> Total collapse of the defense, guys. Get off Dak's ass. Well, I, I can't no, no. The it. defense, the defense did not play well. Uh, we we've talked you about can't that. Can't defend Dak and you know his first half that he played. And, and it was yes, terrible. It, it was terrible. And you know, we've talked about Dan Quinn. I, I think a lot of it, and you brought we brought it up multiple times. Dan Quinn is a little bit um, hamstrung by personnel because the linebacker injuries. That's still no excuse. <laughs> you were still a top what? Top five, top ten defense. But the line, the linebacker injuries that Leighton Van Der Esch and DeMarvin Overshone were huge. They were really huge. They were big because all season long the adjustment by Dan Quinn. Listen, Dan Quinn likes to play a lot of sub packages anyway. He likes he plays more three 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 safeties than any team in the league. They played more dime package even before the injuries than any team in the league. And then the injuries almost made a necessity to play those sub packages and he didn't have the you know the luxury of having options uh for different solutions so i think he did get a little too comfortable instead of developing some of those younger uh, linebackers but i think they kind of ran out of options like competent capable options the cowboys is the cowboys match 12 personnel which is one back two tight ends all right with dime 63 percent of the time this season 63 yeah. percent of the time that's not good that's 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 power personnel, is that, big is that personnel. Malfeasance or is that, I, uh, I said I think it's personnel. more. Yeah, I think it's a it's it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. I think they got. I think because like I said necessity was part of it, but that was also a tendency. That's where Dan Quinn was going anyway. They played more dime than anybody else in the league. Uh, you know, last season and even early this season, they like to play a lot of dime, which is six DBs. They he likes hybrids. Right, he likes hybrids. He likes guys like Marquise Bell. Marquise Bell is out there. He's got him as a linebacker. He's like two hundred and ten pounds, two hundred and fifteen pounds. But Dan, because Dan Quinn likes hybrids, though, he's like safeties that can come down and force in the running game. So I also think he got a little bit too comfortable as as a coach with, oh well, I gotta play my 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 sub packages now. I have to because it's, because he I think he wanted to in as part of him. It's in his nature, and then this gave him the perfect opportunity and the perfect excuse. To go all in on that philosophy, and I think he should have been—I think he should have been more malleable. There should have been other solutions, and maybe they just didn't have it. And that's on Will McClay. Yeah. If they didn't have any of the linebacker, if his sixth defensive back is better than his fourth linebacker, four, then they got a problem. They got—they they need to, you know that's a better solution than their fourth or fifth linebacker. But against twelve personnel, like I said, over over sixty percent of the time, the NFL average guys is like ten percent. <laughs> Most of the NFL, they adjust when they're going up against heavier sets, yeah, and Dan Quinn has not. It's a weight advantage. And, and, and the other part of that, Rod, is if you're going to play a light defense, right, a dime defense essentially. With hybrids on the field. With hybrids. You might want to run blitz a little bit. You might want to you shoot them gaps. You can't just let them get mauled by you yeah. know, two tight ends and big offensive line. Get in that backfield before they get started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. Bring somebody agree. down in the box. Bring some – and that – so, look, no one is excusing Dan Quinn's defense and yeah. that performance. It's a Dan coach. But you also state. can't, you know, totally excuse – or excuse Dak Prescott, who for a fourth straight playoff game was awful in the first half. I mean, it just was. The numbers don't lie. Uh, last four first halves of the playoff losses for the Cowboys, going back to 2018, in the last three years, his first halves have been terrible, and they've been behind at halftime. 
Uh, they don't play with a lead come January. No, you're right. Uh, and that's kind of their recipe, right? Their recipe, especially at home, is to play with a lead and then let the pass rush get home and make a team chase. And that's one of the reasons they've, they've been so good this year to go 12-5. and five. Obviously, give uh, Matt LaFleur and Green Bay credit for kind of taking that away from them by taking the ball wow, and put in the end zone. Plan, yeah. Great scripted uh, you know, first series of downs would get a seven-point lead and kind of stagger the Cowboys a little bit. They didn't respond well. Then the first stack interception led to 14 nothing. And it was just bad. It was in the first half they weren't ready to play. And then, yes, they couldn't stop the run the entirety of the game against Aaron Jones. So, um, you know, it's, it's disappointing. And, again, there's no easy answer to it. Uh, is Bill Belichick a possibility? We'll see. Um, you wonder uh, because it does feel like Bill Belichick is in a short-term window. Cowboys are looking for a short-term coach. Because, look, if you are going to move on from Mike McCarthy and not stay the course, Rod, yeah. you've got to have a plan of who's replacing you him. You've got to have a plan. You, you, can't just fire, you can't just say, oh, I'm big, get mad and fire him and not have a, a plan B uh, or at least a plan A to replace your plan B. Uh, so That would be irresponsible. That would be irresponsible, yeah. 100% true. Uh, okay, so uh, those conversations being had around the NFL, we'll start looking forward to the eight, division, the eight teams that are left including those Houston Texans. We'll get some what-the-facts on those games coming up as we roll forward. We'll also preview the Texas basketball game tonight. Longhorns playing Central Florida. This becomes a must-win game, Rod. You can't lose at home in the Big 12. That's pretty clear because it's tough to win on the road in the Big 12. Every night yes, is, is a fight. No, no nights off. Yeah, we saw, it ain't just a song. We saw Baylor last night, who's, who was an undefeated Big 12 team at 3-0. and They went into uh, Bramlage Coliseum in Manhattan, Kansas, and lost to Kansas State in overtime, 68-64. Winning on the road in, in Big 12 play is really difficult. The Longhorns have already dropped one at West Virginia, but they won one at Cincinnati. There you go. And Cincinnati's a good team, uh, but you can't lose the home games. And the Texas Tech was the opener, and the Longhorns lost that. Tonight you've got to beat Central Florida. You've got to beat those teams on your floor and then take your chances when you head out on the road brutal, uh, in the Big 12 yep. without a doubt. Because uh, we told you yesterday, Fran Fraschilla put this, this uh, stat out. Um, actually, we'll save it for what the fact's coming up. Fran Fraschilla with a good stat on how tough the road is in the Big 12 Conference. But right now, uh, let's go uh, behind the burn orange curtain, get some Longhorn football conversation with Rod B. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, the uh, Longhorns add another receiver in the transfer portal. Remember Sark at the... Uh, press conference where they introduced the recruiting class. He he goes out there uh, and, and un, unsolicited, he throws out, "Hey, we're not done." Yeah, right. And before he throws Christmas. out right before, yeah, right before at that recruiting uh, press conference. He says, "We're not done, and we're not done at wide receiver specifically." And man, since then, like I said, they've added two other wide receivers. Remember, it was just Matthew Golden, I believe, uh, at that time. And now they've had Isaiah Bond and now Silas Bolden. Well, they also added Aaron Butler through the high school ranks. Yeah, you forgot about so, Yeah, they so, added Aaron so Butler, too. another receiver yeah. for the high school I'm class. I'm just talking about like the transfer yeah. portal to feel the immediate need and the urgent need. They added two transfer portal receivers. Uh, and, and Texas doesn't add transfer portal guys. Uh, you When they add a transfer portal guy, they expect them to help them right away. Yes. Uh, the, the It could happen with the guys they're bringing in the recruiting class, but there is still time for development. Uh, there is still time for those guys to be on a kind of more organic uh, trajectory. There is no question that they're bringing in guys via the transfer portal. Just the way that Texas supplements their roster construction that way, you can even look at it. They're bringing in productivity, improving commodities, and that's what they're bringing in with Silas Bolden and Isaiah Bond. I just expect both of those guys to play right away. We've talked about Isaiah Bond. He projects to be a number one wide receiver, wide receiver one. He led Alabama in receptions last season. Let's talk about Silas Bolden. We talked about him before, and Texas has been targeting him for a while, the Oregon State wide receiver, but he is dynamic now. He's small-ish. 
We know Sark has a type. Um, and he's a small-ish receiver. Uh, he's about 5'8", and maybe he's pushing 165. 165, maybe. After Christmas dinner. Yeah, exactly. A soaking <laughs> wet kind of thing. Uh, but, man, he is. He's fast. That's one thing that these receivers that they're bringing in seem to have in common, even going uh, back to the guys that you bring up uh, uh, in this recruiting class, E. Um, you're talking about, well, you're talking about uh, Aaron Butler. You're talking about uh, Ryan Wingo. Um, now, you know, Silas Bolden, uh, Isaiah Bond, all these guys have top-end speed, and speed seems to be a characteristic that you know, Sark has always recruited, but he seems to be stockpiling it more than ever at the wide receiver position, and maybe Sark's got something up his sleeve, but this team may end up, this offense may end up faster than last year's offense, strangely enough, after losing Xavier Worthy who is one of, if not the fastest player in college football last season. As a matter of fact, he was clocked by Real Analytics with the fastest top-end speed by ball carrier this season. Doesn't mean he's the fastest player, but in terms of top-end speed, they got him clocked as the fastest in college football. Remember, Jaden Blue was the fastest running back in college football. He's coming back. Um, but now you're adding a ton of speed, and I think that he's going to blitz opposing uh, teams and blitz opposing defenses with a lot of speed. But Silas Bolden, 54 receptions, 741 yards, five touchdowns out of Oregon State. He is he was their leading receiver, um, and I think he comes in and immediately cracks what I call the circle of trust for Sark's wide receivers. Not a lot of wide receivers can crack it. Usually it's three to four guys. That may expand this year. Um, at Alabama, at one point, you know, when he had those four first-round wide receivers, Waddle and Judy and uh, Ruggs and Devontae Smith, he had a four-wide receiver package that he implemented, that he deployed. Uh, he called it the red package. It was 10 personnel, one back, zero tight ends. It's possible, uh, you know, that just theorizing that he could do that this season. You lost J.T. Sanders. There's a reason they ran so much 11 and 12 last year. I mean, you, J.T. Sanders should never leave the field. He's a matchup nightmare. You want to throw some nightmare fuel out there for defensive coordinators. You put that much speed on the field, there really isn't a way to defend it unless Texas, you know, misses a protection or they, you know, the, the Quinn is off on the throw or a bad route. Now, it in my opinion, at that point, it would be more self-inflicted <laughs> uh, wounds and it reasons as to why Texas wouldn't be able to blitz a team with that much speed on the field. And uh, I think you may see it. Like I said, you saw it at Bama, but only because he had that much talented wide receiver and he expanded his circle of trust. And why wouldn't you with four first-round wide receivers think about what a defensive coordinator's worst nightmare is and let's try to put that on the football field. And he did that with Bijan and Rojo when he started running that pony package. He was thinking, man, I'm putting my best players on the field. No defense wants to see the two best run, the, the best running backs, <laughs> the best running back combo in the country on the field together. And the pony package worked really well. I think that, that that 10 personnel package, not a lot. I mean, I'm just talking about sprinkling it in. I'm not talking about making it your identity. He'll always be an 11 personnel guy. That's 50% of the offense. I'm just talking about sprinkling it in as a change of pace. Yeah, that that is – because, look, last year's receiving core was really good. I mean, Xavier Worthy. Really good. But they each had their type, right, what kind of receiver yes. they were. I mean, Xavier was the top-end speed. A.D. Mitchell was the technician with the, yeah. the ability to go up in high-point balls Possession, and body control. Yeah. And Jay Witt was more of a running back playing receiver, right, mm -hmm. and uh, physical, uh, who can make those plays. and Blocking. Yeah, yeah, well, you're talking about putting four receivers on the field – Kind of like like uh, Sark had at Alabama, where these are all speedsters. They're just speed. Demons. I mean, you're talking if you're if you're going to look at uh, you know Jonte Cook and Matthew Golden and Isaiah Bond and uh, this guy Silas ba Silas Bolden, these guys can all go. These guys can all take the top off your defense. They're fast. They're quick. 
And that makes it – I mean, you're putting safeties on these guys? I mean, how are you covering these guys? Do you go four DBs? And then you put a running back in the backfield like a Jaden like Blue. Uh, Jaden Blue. Whoa, man, that's a lot of speed that's to put on a speed. football with a veteran offensive line and a third-year quarterback. That's what I'm saying. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just saying make a package for it where yeah. a defense coordinator goes, all right, timeout, 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 <laughs> timeout, guys, timeout. No, 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 no. I gotta, we got to reconfigure some stuff. I thought we saw a linebacker matched up on this, you know what I mean, on this Silas Bolden in the slot. We don't like that. So I just think there are a lot of different – Well, and that's the thing with Bond and Golden and Bolden which is the law firm we coined last night, <laughs> uh, they, they are, they're all, they've already all done it at the college level, at the right, high college right. level, right? Yeah. And we're not projecting that. Jonte Cook has to show it. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, the, the kid from Alabama, Bond, I mean, that guy played in the SEC, SEC. put up big numbers in the Southeastern Conference, running past the SEC DBs. I mean, we've seen him do it. I mean, Golden, the same thing. He torched Texas last year down at Houston, and then uh, Bolden in the Pac-12 had a breakout year this year. Yep. You're bringing in a lot of production that can really run. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's it's fascinating, and I saw. I want to make sure I get the uh, the tweet right, but I did see that uh, Jeff Banks uh, tweeted out, and I believe the tweet I'm paraphrasing. I'll make sure I get it. Was speed, speed, speed. <laughs> uh, Jeff Banks is the special teams coordinator for Texas, and that was after the uh, Silas Bolden signing. That's what he tweeted out. So he's uh, he's really excited, and I think the reason that he's so excited is because. Uh, these guys, we've been talking about them in the receiver room, and they're going to be elite in the receiver room, but they also bring some elite dynamic returnability. Yeah, his tweet, uh, yeah, I guess it was, in, uh, speed, 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 exclamation marks behind him, times three, real return game coming soon, uh, then three uh, hook'em emojis. So <laughs> he's really excited about the return game. Uh, you go look at Silas Bolden. As a kickoff returner, I think he was averaging over 25 yards per kickoff return, which is great. But he had only three punt returns last season and uh, had, a, had a punt return for a touchdown and averaged 32 yards Whoa. per punt return. Now, I know most of that probably came on one, but he's a dynamic returner. Matthew Golden is very similar. You look at Matthew Golden, kickoff return-wise, he only had nine kickoff returns and returned two of them for touchdowns. And averaged over 35 yards per kickoff return last season. He's averaging over 31 yards per kickoff return in his career. Those guys are some they have elite returnability. They just didn't do it a lot for their particular teams. Something tells me that Jeff Banks is going to have them returning a lot more. You're going to have Silas Bolden will have more than, like I said, he had, I believe it was three punt returns uh, this season. Yeah, he had three punt returns. Averaged over 32 yards per punt return and had a touchdown. Matthew Golden, nine kickoff returns. Averaged over 35 yards per kickoff return and returned two of them for touchdowns. The ratios there are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the hit rate there is well, pretty good. I even think on Jeff Banks' special teams, you had you know, a couple of the fastest guys on the team last year, Keelan Robinson and uh, Keaton Crawford. Those guys were gunners on special teams. They were coming off edges looking to block punts mm-hmm. and make plays. I mean, speed kills in all phases, Rod. Uh, yes, and that's And Jeff Banks will utilize that. He's excited. Also, the other kid that uh, – committed yesterday Kendall Blackshear uh, out of Duncanville he's a you know he's a piece right he's a linebacker he's got a big body he can run uh, and he's coming here he even said I'm coming here to improve my draft stock that's what I'm coming to do he did say that yeah he's from Duncanville so he's already got guys that he's friendly with and knows in this Texas locker room Cam Williams and uh, DFW uh, DFW that's South Dallas Duncanville and so and he's a guy that's hoping to come in and compete to get in the rotation at linebacker where they're they're replacing the likes of Jalen Ford and uh, and some other guys and Jet Bush Jet 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 Bush is off to uh, the NFL, so um, and, and on special teams, a guy like that who has been a, a stalwart at, at Alabama the last couple of years on the yeah. specialty unit. So two more players for the Longhorns. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's been a while since Texas since players have been saying that. 
right, as a reason to come to Texas. Oh, man. They give me the best chance to play in the NFL. You're like, what? Huh? Say How what? quickly the narrative uh, can yeah, change. Yeah, because right? like I, it, 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 I said it weeks ago. More than Alabama. It's going to be really <laughs> – exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, what? Um, but it's, like I said, I said it weeks ago, it's really hard to negatively recruit against Texas right now. They're just as a as opposing coach coming in to recruit against Texas in the living room. I don't know what your pitch is. The pitch used to be easy. They don't play for championships. They don't develop guys into NFL players. You will go there. You'll underachieve. I mean, it's you know that that was pretty much the narrative. Uh, and now they are developing players into uh, NFL draft or prospects. It'll be a great draft for Texas, and they are playing for championships. When that's the case, I you know it, it can't be nil that you're gonna pitch against. You're not gonna win that uh, that battle against Texas. You're not gonna win that arms race. You're not gonna win. Oh, my college town is better unless maybe you're a USC <laughs> and you're in LA. I mean, uh, that's probably one of the only college towns that's better than Austin. But there ain't many. So, and institution-wise, education-wise, UT is right up there with some of the best schools in the country outside of Stanford. There are a couple other schools that may offer you better, but they're not going to offer you the, uh, the, the football experience, also the academic experience that Texas can. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think right now it's, you can tell that statement alone tells you a lot about how quickly things are shifting. And I'll say this about Blackshear. It, it's, um, I like him. He's not a guy that's going to come in and my impact peeing and be a starting be a starting no. linebacker for you. You don't even want starting linebackers like that anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, they'll get you in trouble because teams will just pick on them because they essentially run stuff linebackers. But why they're necessary tells me the coaches are smart about roster construction. Go look at the defense right now. You have a lot of hybrids that are uh, on their on their defense, especially in the back seven, right? You got uh, Anthony Hill. You can move around. Russell is a freshman All-American. Mo Blackwell is one of those hybrid guys. Um, you go look at the secondary, it's all filled with versatile defenders. They're bringing in Makuba. They're bringing Jade Barron's coming back. They're trying to go more toward versatility. That was the, the key buzzword uh, during the recruiting uh, press conference um, because they want to get more versatile in the back end, and that's smart. But the downside to being more versatile with all those hybrids, look at Dan Quinn's defense, is some teams will decide to run it down your effing throats. They'll decide to go power against you. You know what? To hell with all this hybridism. To hell with all this next-level positionless football. We're just going to run it down your damn throat. Do you have an answer for power? And hybrid teams usually don't. The, that's why the Cowboys drafted Mozzie Smith. Right? They want to get bigger. That's why Jonathan Hankins is so important for them. you got to have specific run stuffers. And when you lost Leighton Vanderesh, lost Jonathan Hankins, and then Mozzie Smith underachieved, you lost your run stuffers. you got to have guys specifically designed for that task. And Texas needs – that's why Bender coming back is big. All right? And that's why this guy is important. Because when you go up against teams on the side, you know what our counter is against your, your very hybrid-built uh, and versatile defense? We're just going to run it down your effing throat. It was great when you got a Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. You don't have those guys anymore. So you're losing your top-run defenders, stout guys up front. You're going to be able to have an Alfred Collins and a Vernon Bryant, but you won't have the depth. And you're also going to be at a disadvantage against run-heavy teams because of how your defense is constructed going forward. So you need run-specific defenders. Good stuff That's right there with Rod Babers. And uh, we'll answer this question coming up because uh, we've got to get to what the facts. But it says, good morning. What do you do all the transfer wide receivers coming in? You think that upsets Jonte Cooks of the world that are already on the team? We'll talk about that. That's a good, interesting philosophical thought. Uh, we'll pick that up after the top of the hour. We're coming back some what the facts, including that Texans-Ravens matchup in the divisional round. Also a, uh, a fact that is a, a scary story out of the National Football League. Uh, we'll get to all of it coming up. It's uh, hook them up with Ian Rod B coming out of Bur- behind the BOC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up.
1019 AM 1260, The Horn. We'll reset those headlines coming up top of the hour, including uh, the NFL's coaching carousel. Atlanta Falcons busy. Another big interview yesterday. So uh, more on the Longhorns and more on the uh, NBA. Big matchup last night in the NBA. The association, the last two league MVPs went head-to-head. Get your details on that big matchup. But uh, uh, what the facts, Rod? What the facts? It is time for NFL divisional round playoffs. And it's fair to say that there are a couple of big spreads, big number spreads, where the uh, Ravens are a nine-point favorite over Houston. The uh, Niners are a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over the Packers. Also, the Lions, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Buccaneers. And the closest spread is the Bills and Chiefs, as expected. That's inside a field goal. Uh, Bills favored by two-and-a-half at Orchard Park. Can I give you a a fact, though, Rod? Give it to me. He might win the league's MVP, but in the last three years, according to John Ewing, uh, the gambling expert, last three years, Lamar Jackson against the spread as a, sa- as a favorite of seven or more points, one in nine. One mm. in nine. That's not, not wins and losses in the game, but covering the spread, one and nine. Um, yeah, so that's a big number. That's a big number with nine Houston a big number. Uh, at minus nine and a Houston team that doesn't turn the ball over, typically, right? I mean, C.J. Stroud, as we've mm-hmm. said, of his 16 career starts, he's gone tw- 13 of them. He didn't turn the ball over, which is remarkable. Uh, and they're getting better running the ball with Devin Singletary. So can they keep it close? And you wonder, we always get into this debate with, with teams like the Niners and Ravens, the, the rest versus rust factor. Mm-hmm. Like how quickly do they get back to yeah. game speed and intensity? And Houston's been playing in a playoff game. Houston's already had two playoff games. That Colts game in week 17 was a playoff was a game. game. The game last week was a playoff game. Um, and, and Houston has shown a, a, an ability to, uh, to jump out to and have quick starts. So, so we'll see. This will be interesting with uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens. Favored by nine, but that's a lot in a, in a, in a you know, divisional any, playoff game. A lot in any NFL game, yeah. actually. Uh, adding to that, Lamar Jackson is 17-1 outright when favored by nine or more points. Regular season or playoffs. So the, to the point where they probably win the so, game, but maybe not by nine. Boom. So we're just, we're just hey, we're trying to hook y'all up. All right. So if you're listening, you can make a little cash here, okay? Uh, Ravens, uh, like you said, the only other time the Ravens have been favored by more in a postseason was 2019's divisional game versus the Titans. They were favored by ten points in that game, but he is 17 and one in those matches. So I'm with you. I think it'll be closer than uh, than you know than spread indicates, but I, I do think Baltimore will win the game. I'll also give you a fact. A lot of respect, by the way, to that point that he made yesterday. They, the Ravens will not overlook the Texans. No. Because they played them already, and after the game, uh, Jim Harbaugh – sorry, yeah, he basically – John Harbaugh, excuse me. Uh, get my Harbaugh's mixed up. Uh, John Harbaugh said this was a really good team. He said they was going to win a lot of games. Like, he flat out said it. I'll, read, I'll find the quote later, but he said, no, this team's going to win some games. Yeah. He was high on the Texans before a lot of people were. Uh, and by the way, the weather in Baltimore Sunday, it's a fact. It's going to be cold, but no precipitation. Sunny and about 30 degrees. So it'll be cold, but that's about no, it. That's and good. not the bitter cold that we saw over the weekend. Just be de- December, it'll be January in Baltimore, essentially, is no, what good. you're looking at. So. Oh, listen, uh, C.J. Stroud's used to some bad, I mean, Ohio State. Played Ohio State. Some weird well, Midwest weather. He, he can be good. He's bad played weather. in those, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, how about this, Rod? This is a fact now. This is coming out because this is, TMZ first reported it. But now it's been confirmed by police in, uh, in Indianapolis. Yeah, I saw this. Colts owner Jim Irsay. Yeah, it's wild. Back on December the 8th was found unresponsive at his home and had to be essentially resuscitated. Um, that's a scary story. And obviously story. I mean, he's one of 32 owners in the NFL, but he was found on December 8th with a weak pulse and struggling to breathe. Um, the police records now say, according to TMZ, that officers had to revive him with a sternum rub and a dose of Narcan, which is a drug often used to combat opioid overdoses. 
Man, scary. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I saw that, that this morning. Help. I was like, man, that's wild. And yeah, I know he's had a history of some of those issues before. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's concerning, man. That, well, those opioids are brutal, man. Once they get you, it's hard to get you get yourself out of and that. A lot of people own them for obviously for pain relief of yeah, yeah. some kind, for some injury that they may have had, and then, like you said, yeah, man, it kind of goes off the rails. So let's I hope the hope best he, for him. Yeah, no doubt. That's uh, that's really scary. I think opioids kill more people in this country than yeah. gun, than guns. Oh man, <laughs> and the guns kill a lot of people in this country. Right. Uh, anyway, getting back to it, uh, the, the facts. Um, okay, so I saw this too. If you look at um, Jordan Love, how about this pass attempts behind the line of scrimmage? Saw this little nugget. Um, he has 105, tied for the fourth most in the NFL. A lot of throws behind the line of scrimmage for Jordan Love, man. Uh, easy, easy, simple throws, too. That wasn't the case against the Cowboys. He was, he was throwing it downfield. Yeah, he was. And I almost wonder on film if the Cowboys expected him to have more kind of a short intermediate game because that wasn't the case. He was chunking the ball vertically downfield. So that's something I thought was interesting that Cowboys fans uh, may have may have liked yeah well i mean uh, a little we'll nugget see. they may have been interested in interested like to see it. that packers game with the niners so obviously mm-hmm. niners have, have had their way with the packers in the playoffs in the past when aaron Rodgers was there we'll see how this one goes that's the uh, saturday night game that follows houston and baltimore on saturday uh ahead of what's come sunday so uh looking forward to it uh so yeah divisional playoff weekend the what the facts are coming your way uh and it's a fact rod there's only one undefeated team in the pack in the big 12 right now in college basketball only one and that's Texas Tech. Who would have thought that when the season began? They're three sure. and zero. Oh. Uh, Grant McCaslin is doing a really good job now. Uh, Baylor just took their first loss last night. Baylor lost at K State in overtime, so they're three and one now. Kansas is three and one. And don't forget Kansas, Rod. It's a fact they lost their game in the Big Twelve of their four they played to Central Florida at Central Florida, who the Longhorns play tonight. So there are no nights off in the Big 12. No, no nights, nights off in the Big 12. That's actually a song that uh, Brett Yardmark made about the Big 12. No nights off. <laughs> no nights off. No, it is. I'm going to make that up. That's a real song. You can I, have, I believe you. No, you can have Ty look it up and pull it up. It's a real song. They made a vid- I think they made a video and everything. I don't know. Um, but it was basically the point you're making, that the competition level is so damn high, you got to be focused night in and night out. Uh, another random factoid, there have been three pick sixes already in uh, the playoffs. So far, yeah. The last time there were three in an entire postseason came in 2012. So next, po- uh, you see another pick six. You'll be talking about some record-breaking pick well, six. Houston had two in one game. Houston had two in one yeah. quarter. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Joe Flacco. Yeah. So uh, a lot of pick sixes, but that turns the tide. A pick six usually means I didn't want to say that a non-offensive touchdown or no, a pick six specifically. Well, last time I looked at it, gave a team a 70. Like a 72 or 73% chance to win the game. Oh, 100%. In, a, in any pick six. But not the one I got against Oklahoma, unfortunately. Well, especially like the one Dak threw <laughs> on Sunday, which was in, oh. your, in your scoring zone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a two for one, right? You're, exactly. You're giving up. Yeah. I mean, Steelers did it the other night. I uh, want to pick six, but uh, when you turn the ball over near your red zone and, and it goes the other easy, way for seven. Easy points, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's critical. I mean, that's why, you know, block punts and kick returns also kind of have that same impact. They do. You know, the momentum shifts. Scores, yeah. yeah. All right, we'll pick it up on the other side. That is one hour down to five on our Wednesday conversation. It's bitterly cold outside. Bundle up, but uh, lock it in here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B because the, uh, the sports takes, the Longhorn conversation, the NFL, it's, it's hot. we got hot takes today, Rod, on a cold Wednesday. Mm. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Thank you.